0: Welcome into the Locked On Knicks Podcast. I'm Gavin Shaw. Today, we break down a 144-122 to 122 L in LA to the Los Angeles Clippers. Do the Knicks have the worst defense in basketball? Or was this just a schedule loss? Maybe two things could be true at once. All that and more right now on Locked On Knicks. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are locked on, Nixon. This episode is brought to you by Price Picks, the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Go to prizepicks.com slash and use code all lowercase LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. And I want to thank you for making LockedOn Knicks your first listen today and every day because we're now available on all platforms. That includes on YouTube so you can check us out on the video side of things. Be sure to subscribe and hit that notifications bell to make sure you never miss an episode and then do the same on the audio side because I would really like you. But if you want me to love you, you got to subscribe to our subtext. Uh, that means we will text you before and after every single next game and additional thoughts as rumors and news pop up and uh just analysis that comes to my brain and you can text us and ask any questions you have on the team so just subscribe in the link in the episode description but who's talking to you i'm gavin shaw favorite play-by-play broadcasters favorite play-by-play broadcaster coming to you live from phoenix arizona where the the one perk of that is I got to enjoy this game on mountain time. So unlike those of you who suffered and stayed up till 1am, I suffered and stayed up till just 11 p.m. How about that? Uh, This was, this was a tough one for the Knicks. It was, it was a game. If I'm being honest, I didn't, I didn't have particularly high expectations for coming in. I kind of assumed they were going to lose it. The Clippers have been playing uh, some of the best basketball in the NBA over the last 10 to 12 games since that initial losing streak, uh, keyed off by the Knicks following the Harden trade. And uh, New York was coming off an emotional victory against Phoenix, uh, playing on West Coast time um, for them. Again, they're playing this game until one in the morning. And uh, yeah, Jalen Brunson probably wasn't super likely to replicate that 50-point effort from a night before. And, and if, if you watch the beginning of this game, the Knicks were well in it. It was it was 35-33 at the end of the first quarter. Um, the Knicks were, were leading late in the second quarter. And yet you never really felt comfortable because the Clippers were scoring at will. And and I I think even more importantly, they were getting into the paint at will. 18 of the first 28 points for the Clippers were in the paint. That's a ridiculous number. They ended up shooting 30 free throws in the first half, which is, uh, I'm going to go a step further than ridiculous. I'm going to call that a gross Number for the New York Knicks, that that was uh, disgusting, vomit-worthy, um, and, and part of that uh, might have been the officiating, but also the Knicks didn't give the officials any reason to give them the benefit of the doubt. Um, it, 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 was, it was tissue paper defense out on the perimeter, not not the Charmin ultra soft, the, the, the cheap stuff you, you buy at the drugstore, um, getting into the lane over and over and over again. RJ Barrett in particular, I, I thought uh, for guys, played pretty decent defense this year, he, he was a disaster. I'm not sure if I should be picking on him because he had some of the tougher assignments, but whether it was James Harden, in the first half or Paul George in the second half, he he didn't really provide much of any resistance to the best of my Viewing knowledge. Um, so even even with the Knicks up, and, and and part of it was um Dante DiVincenzo basically single-handedly keeping them in the game early when 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 no one else um could really do anything on either end of the floor. He started off four for four from three-point range, absolutely carried them. And then the second quarter, um, it was a lot of Julius Randle. We'll we'll get to him more in segment two, but he he was in an absolute beast in this game i mean it's maybe shocking to say in a 22 point game where he didn't even get to play down the stretch but this was this was weirdly one of my favorite randall nicks games because he he was probably the only guy outside of maybe hardenstein who who was was trying to match the clippers physicality and he, he was certainly the only one who was successful doing so and, and and kind of bullying them back um but this this was a disaster defensively and, and it was a cherry on top of what has been a disastrous stretch for the New York Knicks defensively. And I, I'm going to, I think the best way to frame that is actually by telling you just how good their offense has been. So, going back to that play in game against the Milwaukee Bucks, the Knicks have had the fourth best offensive rating in basketball, right? 125.6. That is absolutely absurd. Um, coming into this year, that—that that is a mark that would have set the all time NBA record by a country mile. So, they, they have been insanely, insanely, insanely elite offensively the last six games or so um something i i honestly never really would imagine even even over a six game stretch i would see from a from a tom Thibodeau, coach nick's team without a, a bonafide superstar depending on how you classify jalen brunson um i say all that to say um they're the only team in the top six um in, in offensive rating over that stretch without either a five and one or six and zero oh record in fact They're not even over 500. They are two and four over that stretch. You want to know why? Because they have played the worst defense in the NBA over that stretch. 131.3 points allowed per 100 possessions. That is clear-cut the worst defense in basketball over these last six games. And that is a number that would also far and away be the record for the worst defense in NBA history. So it has been historically poor stuff for the New York Knicks. Um, Obviously down Mitchell Robinson for four and a half. Of those six games a really important caveat because I, I, I think mitch um obviously would have made an incredible deep incredible defense yeah incredible defense incredible difference with his incredible defense um and it, it's become very clear um just how valuable he is to the knicks on the end i think we, we all thought he was very valuable we all thought he was deserving of all defensive team consideration um based on what's happening to the Knicks he he maybe deserves um depoy uh consideration because this this has gone really, really far downhill in the Clippers, um, against the tired Knicks team, um, exhausted after an emotional epic comeback victory over the Clippers, uh, not over the Clippers, over the Suns. Um, this Clippers team was, was ripe to take advantage of the Knicks weaknesses and, and boy, did they ever, um, just a lot of size on the perimeter and, and, and things, uh, got even darker when eight minutes into his run, Josh Hart was ejected from this basketball game, picking up two quick fouls, arguing two, two quick texts, excuse me, arguing a call. And the Clippers on a back-to-back were just about the last team the Knicks would want to see. Maybe the Celtics, maybe the Bucks, maybe the Nuggets all in that conversation. But the, these Clippers are, I'm going to, I'm going to ask for a mulligan on it. I was dead wrong about the James Harden trade. I, I thought it was, I, I didn't think it was going to be a disaster, but I also wasn't particularly high on what the Clippers were going to be. And if, if you, for some reason, watch this game, if you watch them in general, they are freaking scary. Um, they they are big. They can shoot. Um, they are versatile. Harden is obviously not in the same universe as a scorer as he was in, in, in his Rockets tenure and, and, and maybe even in his Sixers tenure, but he is still as good of a passer as there is maybe this side of Nikola Jokic and Tyrese Halliburton and LeBron James. Um, in the NBA, he he is a basketball genius, and and he shredded the Knicks throughout the first half, and, and then um, second quarter, third quarter, fourth quarter, it was Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. Those two guys combined for sixty one points, eleven assists, eleven rebounds. Shot a combined twenty three of thirty four from the field, eight for twelve from three point range, seven to seven from the line. Um, it was it was a masterclass, and I think what what was most concerning about it was the fact that the Knicks, I, I don't even think played with terrible effort defensively. They certainly didn't play with great effort. There, there was nothing um, particularly exceptional out there, but they played with fine effort and, and it was just without Josh Hart, without or outside of those eight minutes um, without Mitchell Robinson, they didn't have anything close to the personnel to stop this team. We, we, I, I've, I'm not even going to say we um, I, I've said it uh, over and over and over again on this podcast. Um, the, the Knicks' lack of size stands out against certain teams, whether it's the Celtics, whether it's the Pelicans, a little bit against the Timberwolves, and oh so much last night against the Los Angeles Clippers. They are small on the perimeter, and there are very few players in the league better equipped to take advantage of that than Kawhi and Paul George. And, and last night they did over and over and over again. Even Russell Westbrook at times was was. Bullying Jalen Brunson or bullying Emmanuel quickly, Avika Zubach was 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 torturing Jericho Sims to the point that Tom Thibodeau had to uh, put a put a grenade into his normal rotation and, and sub in Isaiah Hardenstein just five minutes into this ball game, which which if anyone who's watched Tom Thibodeau knows, he does not want to mess with his typical rotation. He does not like adjusting on the fly. So this was a disaster of a game defensively. The other Knicks quite this bad on that end of the floor. No, I don't think so. I think things are going to normalize teams have shot exceptionally well against them from three point range. They've made a lot of tough shots over this stretch that the Knicks have had relatively good contests on, but because of their lack of size, because of no Mitchell Robinson to to make miracles happen on the interior, Um, There are going to be nights like this, particularly against the best teams in the NBA, and that is very, very worrisome, because obviously Mitchell Robinson is not coming back anytime soon. On that somber note, uh, we will take a very quick break, um, but when we come back, we are going to continue talking about this one, and in particular, Julius Randle, um, and how he was a shining light in an otherwise uh, dismal performance for the New York Knicks. But before we get to that, I wanted to tell you guys about our good friends over at prize picks. So you might be asking yourself at home, what is prize picks? Well, prize picks is the largest daily fantasy sports DFS platform in North America with the easiest and most exciting way to play DFS. It's just you against the numbers instead of battling. Thousands of other players, including pros and sharks, you pick more than or less than on two to six players' stat projections and watch the winnings roll in. So that means, uh, you know, the people out there, you, you probably have one in your life. But, but the guys who went to an MIT or Harvard or some other borderline Ivy League school and studied statistics and live in their mom's basement and, and have the capital to put in thousands and thousands of daily fantasy entries um, and you're that you're inevitably going to lose to, uh, you don't have to worry about those guys with prize picks. That is the beauty of it. Um, and, and they also offer you the opportunity to play along celebrities, which I think is really cool. If you you want to play along guys like rapper Meek Mill and comedian Andrew Schultz, you can now do so in the community plays under the promos tab of the app to view entries from some of the biggest names in the prize picks community each and every week. Prize picks even offers a reboot policy so that your entries stay relevant. Even if one of your players gets injured for football and basketball games, if you have a player who exits the game in the first half and does not return the second, that player is re if you guys have ever done daily fantasy or regular fantasy sports you know one of the biggest frustrations is having the perfect pick and uh having it not work out for a reason out of your control such as an injury um price picks again you don't have to worry about that because they are the only daily fantasy sports platform with an injury insurance Policy so go to Prizepicks.com/slash locked on NBA and use code Locked on NBA for first deposit match up to one hundred dollars. Once again, go to Prizepicks.com/slash locked on NBA and use code Locked on NBA for first deposit match up to one hundred dollars. Prizepicks daily fantasy sports made easy. All right, Julius Randall, Um, I thought he was fantastic in this basketball game. Um, Defensively, there were times where Kawhi Leonard uh, was torturing him, but it, it, uh, for once it was, it was not really because Julius was giving lackluster effort. It was just because Kawhi, um, in my opinion, is one of the top 20 players to ever play basketball. And he's healthy right now. And he absolutely played like it um, last night. And, And Julius did his best in that matchup. And it ultimately, uh, did not go his way, but I like Tibbs trusting him with that matchup. I, I, I think the best way to get Julius playing good defense is to give him a really challenging matchup. Someone who's going to be on the ball a lot and have him super duper engaged. Because if we know one thing about Julius Randall, it's that off the ball, it is it is just not going to happen for him. So you might as well have him on the ball. And 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 dueling with someone, especially someone who's very ISO heavy, but that's more of an aside. What stood out to me um, on the night for Julius Randle was his physicality. And look at the box score; I'm a little surprised he only had four rebounds, two offensive, two defensive, in 31 minutes. Um, I, I thought he was a force on the interior for the New York Knicks. Um, and it started early. He got this really nice seal early in the game. Josh Hart hit him on this absolute beauty of a pass on, on a night that was very frustrating as of how. Got kicked out of the game. That was that was just a shining play. Where he just lofted it perfectly over the defender. Julius put it in left hand. Beautiful, beautiful play. Love love watching those two work together. Doesn't really happen enough when they're on the floor at the same time. Um, had another really awesome play to keep a ball alive to knock it back to Isaiah Hartenstein. Um, in transition, he was just a monster in this game. At one point, and, and maybe maybe with with the lack of rebounding numbers, that's disproportionately influencing my opinion how physically he was. But at one point, just put a shoulder into. Daniel Tice on a night where the officials were were basically letting both sides get away with anything in terms of physicality. Seriously, I mean the Clippers had multiple pushes in the second half of this game that didn't get called. Um, Julius was was loving that. Um, he just destroyed Tice with a shoulder. Had another one where he was going up against Kawhi and Russ in transition. He just had a beautiful little step through for an and one. ended the first quarter with an offensive rebound and heavy traffic an and one finish over both Kawhi and Avika Zubac was running the floor. With, ridiculously hard in the second half like like close on um, the third quarter with two great transition buckets that made you think the Knicks had a little bit of hope before Paul George Russell Westbrook and, and James Harden just put this one away at the start of the fourth um but I I thought a, an awesome awesome effort from Julius and and it's not it's not necessarily perfect every single night but by and large I I love the basketball he's playing right now and I didn't I didn't think I'd be saying that seven games in the season so that that is absolutely a blessing for the New York Knicks. Someone else who I thought had a pretty good game was R.J. Bear 28 minutes, at least on the offensive end of the floor. Let me be clear. 18 points, five rebounds, um, was pretty efficient. Seven to 15, two for seven, two for two. And, and it's, it's one of those games from R.J. That's totally in the eye of the beholder, right? Because you can, you can look at it and say um, this wasn't. I mean, you can just focus on the defense, right? And and say, this wasn't a good night from him. And that's, that's totally valid. You can look at the stats and say, all right, empty calories. Like he missed five threes. Um, But I like, I like the process from him on the offensive end for the most part, like another game where he at times made a concerted effort to get to the middle of the floor to find Quentin Grimes. And and that's really encouraging. We've, we've heard these guys say over and over again, Hey, like whoever that fifth starter is. Um, and, and sometimes referencing Grimes in particular, um, we need to find a way to get them shots. We need to find a way to get them the ball. RJ for two straight games has done that with Grimes. We saw Randall doing it against the Suns, making the extra pass to DiVincenzo. So that was encouraging. Then RJ just like, like a deep bag in this game, like had a, had a beautiful double pump layup and a spinning jump hook over, uh, Norman Powell, um, went right it. um, Terrence Mann at one point um, and then hit a big three right as the Knicks were seemingly falling out of the game. Against again, the defense was uh substandard for RJ. Uh there's no denying that, but he, he did some good stuff attacking the rim. A couple of other guys I thought played well, Emmanuel quickly, um, Isaiah Hartenstein, um, I thought were really good. Dante DiVincenzo, I thought was really good. Um, and I want to get to that in just a sec. But before I do, I want to tell you about our good friends over at FanDuel. So, if, if you've been listening to this podcast, you're well aware, but FanDuel is America's number one sports book. And as the weather gets colder, the NFL offers stay hot on FanDuel right now. New customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150. Bucks. I have to say it that way because it's a crazy offer if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get on the action. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads player props, over-unders, and more. I'm looking at that Knicks-Lakers line. The Lakers are four-and-a-half point favorites. And that's pretty tasty because LeBron James, Anthony Davis, both officially listed as questionable. Now, does FanDuel probably have better information on whether they're going to play or not than I do, uh, most certainly given the millions of dollars on the line. But if those guys are out, obviously that's a game the Knicks uh, absolutely could and should win. Uh, that's a risk I'd be willing to make some money on because even if they're there, um, the Knicks are certainly capable of winning a Game like that, so visit fanduel.com slash locked on. If you want to put some money down on that and kick off both the NFL and NBA season, FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. All righty, let's talk. uh, Who do we want to go to first? Um, I'm going to start off with Emmanuel quickly because statistically, another night that wasn't overly impressive from him, only got 19 minutes, finished with nine points, four rebounds, three assists, fine game, not spectacular, but the way he got those nine points, I thought was good. Um, had, had two different super crafty plays, drawing fouls. And, and for those of you who were, uh, fans, uh, back to his rookie season, I know a long time ago, four seasons ago or three seasons ago, I guess he's been in the league for four seasons. Um, he, he was, a, a foul drawing savant as a rookie. And some, some of the things he did have since gotten outlawed out of the game. Um, but tonight was a little bit of a throwback to that, um, had a really smart, like pump fake to draw a foul, like like jumping into the defender um, when there's only one second left on the shot clock. It's just his first or second possession in the ball game. Had another one late where he, where he drew one on Paul George who kind of stuck a hand in the cookie jar. Um, that was just good to see. I thought the speed from him was awesome in this game. And and we saw it against the Suns too, where where he got all the way to the rim um, a couple of times or at least once in that Suns game. Did it twice today, absolutely. Toasted Norman Powell once for a coast-to-coast layup where where he, uh, as as the coast-to-coast implies, took it the whole way himself. He torched Daniel Tice, basically doing the same thing in pick and roll. Um, and I, I want an aggressive version of Emmanuel quickly, whether that means he's taking a lot of threes, whether it means he's getting all the way to the rim, That's awesome. But I don't want us him living on a diet, um, super heavy mid range jumpers. And I know by and large, he has been really good at hitting those this year, but it's just a tough way to live. And even the best mid range artists in the NBA need to supplement it with a heavy diet of three pointers and rim attempts, um, to stay efficient. So that was really good from quickly, uh, late in the third quarter. He, he was the guy kind of keying that transition spurt for the Knicks as they were Desperately trying to get and stay in the game. Um, had a great push and a throw ahead to Grimes for a layup. Really nice finish by Grimes. Had another one to Randall. They were down by twenty. Got them within. I, I think as close as thirteen. Maybe it was fifteen at the end of that third quarter. Before again, I um, haven't done like a strict recap of this, but the Clippers uh, just pulled away to start the fourth. Paul George was hitting everything. James Harden was spraying passes out to the perimeter again. Just, just, just beautiful stuff. It. it I, I. I honestly, I, I kind of think the Clippers are going to end up being in the Western Conference Finals with, with the Nuggets. I, I don't really see another team that I think is, is clear-cut better than them. I cannot emphasize enough that as poor of a game as this was from the Knicks, the Clippers are really, really good. Um, but Isaiah Hardenstein was another guy who um, had a really good game, um, came in super early again because Sim I, this was not the matchup for Jericho Sims. I, I think Zubac was, was destroying him, including just a vicious dunk um, early in this game. Um, and, and I heart look, he had, he had his struggles and, and he was getting beat up a little bit with the Clippers getting away with some fouls in the paint. But overall, like he, he was probably the best, um, non-Julius Randall big man on the floor for either team. Um, the pick and roll play for him continues to be really good. Had another, uh, super nice sequence with Jalen Brunson, who's squeezing a beautiful past him. who was just super patient finishing over Daniel Tyson. This is something I've noted the last couple of podcasts, but There have been times in the past, particularly when he has come off the bench, where he tends to rush things around the rim. Um, I, I think Tibbs has emphasized the the importance of him being efficient, particularly with Mitchell Robinson out. And I think part of it also is just him knowing he's going to have more minutes and not, not necessarily pressing as much, but he's been a lot calmer around the rim. He's been taking his time and he's been aware of his height advantage and using it. And that that's been really good to see. I, I hope even when Mitch is back, I hope that continues to be a staple of the offense when he's in the game. He's he's, a, he's not, there's nothing flashy about it, but because of his size, because of his skill, because of his effort around the rim, he's a really solid pick and roll big. Um, he keeps trying to throw behind the back passes though, that never seemed to work out and always seem to, to be more likely to just cause some, uh, lower, lower body groinal pain to a defender than, than to get through for an assist. Uh, so that, that is something to note. Um, he had a really nice drive on Daniel Tice. That was cool. It, It was a solid game for him. Again, DiVincenzo, absolutely cooking to start this game. Um, I, I always think back to that national championship game. They, they won over Michigan. Um, and, and that was, Honestly, the first time I've ever really watched Dante Divincenzo play, and, and all I could think was, this guy has one of the prettiest jumpers I've ever seen. And I was surprised when he came into the NBA, and he was sort of he was he was solid enough, but he was sort of a middling shooter. When when I expected him to be, maybe not a forty percent guy, just because of his height, and, and that's hard to project for anyone on volume, but like a consistent thirty eight percent three point shooter on the Knicks. Obviously he's, he's, he's been that and more this year and, and they weren't easy threes, right? There were, there were a lot of quick trigger off the screen, Paul George, Kawhi, like launching out at him and it, it, it just didn't matter. Like, like when his shot is going, it looks effortless. It looks light. It's so smooth. Um, he, he's, he's up there with, with Quentin Grimes in, 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 terms of, uh, just, just beautiful shooting motions and, and, and shot trajectories on the New York Knicks. Um, so that was, that was cool to see kind of fell off a little bit as the game went along and, and obviously didn't, didn't really do anything to make much of a difference on defense in this one. Again, Josh Hart, I I thought it was a fun start to him for this game. And, and they like, if I were to rank the Knicks most valuable players coming into this one, it's probably Jalen Brunson first, Isaiah Hardenstein second, just because they have no one else at center, Julius Randle third. And then it probably would have been Josh Hart fourth, just because, despite the lack of height, he's sort of the one guy with the physicality to compete with a Paul George, to compete with a Kawhi Leonard. Maybe like Quinn Grimes had some decent possessions against those guys, um, and he got himself kicked out eight minutes in, and it was a shame. Because he had some really good defensive possessions. Him and Russell Westbrook as, as two just sickos, like going at it, had some really fun battles, but um, ultimately uh, you lose him eight minutes in. Um, and and look, I don't I don't know what he said. Um, as um Alan Hahn pointed out on the, on the MSG broadcast, like he was walking away when he said it. And, and typically when that happens, you, you just, you don't see guys getting ejected. So I would, I would assume it was something pretty egregious. Um That sucked. That, that was the game for the Knicks. Like, especially, and this was something Mike Breen noted, like with a back-to-back, you need the guy who's going to provide that, that manic effort every single night and raise everyone else's level on the defensive end, of the floor. And once he was out, um, it was it, it was curtains for the Knicks. They didn't really stand much of a chance in this one. Uh, they'll have a chance to rebound tomorrow night against the Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, Alex Wolf will have that recap for you, and then we'll reconvene later in the week for a bunch of fun shows. But until then, I'm Gavin Shaw. This has been Locked On Knicks. We'll talk to you very, very soon.